everyone, I'm Ari, here with Rachel, and we're your hosts for the Merry Writer Podcast. This week, we're on episode 201, and we're asking, do you need an editing checklist? Before we dive into the topic, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, wherever you're listening, if you haven't already. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with friends, and feel free to write a review. Okay, so checklist. If you are editing, it can be a little bit like nebulous about what you need to do. Obviously, most people think, oh yeah, I need to check like um, spellings and, and grammar and all this. But a checklist can actually be really useful to kind of pull in and hone down all the all the pieces you need to do. And I think it's a good idea to break the checklist into categories. Now, obviously, you know, you've already got the editing, which is, you know, the line editing, developmental editing. So this is, it's not really like a developmental edit. Try and do that first because that's that nice big structural thing. But when you're coming down to like more of the minutia, this is what I recommend. It recommends, everybody recommends, I assume. <laughs> so have some categories and these could be things like names, dialogue, POV. And then within those categories, you should try and figure out what sort of things you want to look at while you're editing. So we're going to give you a few examples of the different categories you can pick and the things you should be looking into. Just to make editing easier, because I don't know about you, but I get overwhelmed when I have to think about editing because you sit here going, I'm going to edit my manuscript. And that is a big task. <laughs> So breaking it down into like a smaller task is brilliant. Let's start with names. You want to do a spell check for your character's names. And this is super important if you've amended the character's names when you started writing. Now, I did this recently. I changed the name. It was the name of one character and the name of a place. And I changed them. One was slightly and one was completely different. And I kept finding the wrong name as I was writing. So definitely do a search check on your character's names and make sure every single one of them is spelled correctly. Especially if you've got weird names that maybe your spell check would have already put up. And maybe you've done what I do. Where it's like, add to dictionary. <laughs> And then it doesn't come up anymore. I did read a, a novel uh, not that long ago and the character's name had changed. And you could find out because it was all the way right to the very end and then it changed spelling and it obviously hadn't been picked up. So yeah, very important. Same with places like, you know, towns, cities, countries, worlds, anything location-y. You know, do you, have a, do you have sacred mountains? Have you got a name for it? Make sure you have that name correctly. Animals. Does your characters have pets? Horses, are there species of animals that you've, you've referred to? Is it weird? Let's be honest. If it's sci-fi or fantasy, it's probably going to have a weird name, you know? So do a search on that. Make sure they're all correct. Deities, swords, if swords have names, you know, we have Excalibur, that sort of thing. You have to think about that because those little things like a misspell of a, of a character's name or a, a location will be caught by a reader and it will piss them off and they'll probably put it in the in the review and i say that as someone who does that i am that sort of person if i keep seeing this the wrong name or a thing pop up i will make a comment about it in a review i am really not a good person though another good category is repeating words we are all drawn to words that we seem to like and you you think you aren't until you read through your manuscript and you suddenly catch the same word hopping up my partner told me that mine was stood apparently all my characters stood there or you know stood over there or the mountain stood tall or it, everything was stood and I hadn't noticed it and then I started highlighting them in bold on one page oh my god there were so many <laughs> so many so try and catch repeating words I always remember I read a book, I can't remember what it's called now, and oh, what was it? It was, the, everything was uh, God something. It was like the God pole, the, the God gate. And I think part of it was understandable, but I think it went too far. And it just, it became like, all you could hear was God something, God something, God something, God something. And it, it, it pulled you out of the story. It really did. Now, you've probably sat there going, oh my God, have I got to read through and try and think of which 
words are the most used? No, you don't. There is a website called Word Counter. I think it's wordcounter.com. I will check. There will be a link in the description. And it was created by Stephen Morgan Friedman. And what it is, is you can put some of your story in. I don't think you can put like all of it. I think you've got like a, you have to do it by section. It will give you a word count, which might be helpful. But it also gives you, it shows you the top 10 keywords or keyword density. So it helps you catch the overused words. It gives it like a percentage, like how many times you've used this specific word. I don't think it does it for like the and and. It's the chunky keywords that you use. So obviously I think it's more like for blogs and everything, but it can be used for novels. You put it in and it will tell you which of those words you've been using too many. And yes, you might have to do it in pieces, but you can also just then write down, okay, in chapter one, these were my words. In chapter two, oh, look, it's the same big words. Same words that keep popping up over and over again. And then you can use a search to try and break that down and change them. But obviously, don't do a search, find them and change them to the same word or something different. <laughs> you got to be careful of doing that too. And also maybe make a list of those repeating words and then give it to your betas and say like do these come up too much or even go with a highlighter pen and every time you find one highlight it and once you've got that nice visual in color you'll you'll know that it's too much i haven't heard of word counter at all so i'll definitely have to look into that but something else that i recently discovered like yesterday so i haven't looked into it much i don't know how good it is but other people have said how great it is is word hippo and I think Word Hippo is just like another Soros type website, but I think you can just add in anything and it'll give you like a massive list of other things you can do. Because repeating words is a huge issue for myself. My characters sigh and roll their eyes all the time. I don't know why, but it's just, it is what it is. So yeah, definitely use Word Counter. Check out Word Hippo because that seems like a really fun website that I could go down a rabbit hole with. But also like if you have Scrivener, you can use that as well. If you go onto your stats, it'll tell you how many times you have used all of your words, like even the word the it'll it counts it so you can kind of see your top 10 words or whatever and you can change it how many times have you used the word sigh you can change it to something else and you could also just use i don't know what the mac shortcut is but if you have windows you could do Control f and it'll do the find thing and type in any word and it'll show you how many times it appears and it'll highlight it for you so you can like visually see it. And you can do this for your whole manuscript or you could do it chapter by chapter or scene by scene or however it is you write. I find that to be easy. I agree with Ari. If you find that you overuse a word so many times, don't find one alternative and then change some of them to that alternative. And then you have like 50% this word and 50% that word. Try to broaden your vocabulary a little bit. Find like 10 synonyms and and change it up and just try to think of different creative ways to change somebody rolling their eyes, for example. I just read a book recently and every character was an eye roller. Like every character to the point where it's like, okay, some of you have got to be something else. They can't all be eye rollers. Like seriously, where's this Scrivener thing? I've been on Scrivener for ages. I didn't know I did that. Where, where have you seen that? I can't explain it to you now because I'm on the wrong computer. Scrivener is on my laptop. But it's, I think, I think if you go to the stats at the top and if you look at like the project stats or something at the bottom of the box, it'll have a, a little box and it'll show all of the, okay, the uh, things. Okay. Rachel's going to send me how to do that. I am going to try and do that. And then I'll take a screenshot 
and I'll put uh, on YouTube, I'll put like a little thing showing where to do it as well. So anyone who's using Scrivener who's, who's like me going, I didn't know that, we'll put that on there. Now I got to make a note for myself because <laughs> I won't remember to do that. Rachel has homework. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> okay. Well, Rachel makes herself a note because she will forget otherwise. We're going to move on and talk about dialogue. Okay. So another one to kind of keep an eye on for your editing checklist is uh, dialogue tags. Keep an eye on them. Make sure you're not using lots of other words or a certain word. Again, it's repetitive or constantly avoiding said. Now, there's that annoying concept that's like, oh, said is 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 dead or said is the only thing you should use. It feels like the you know there's, there's groups of people and they're just so divided on some people only ever use said and nothing else, and some people never use said and use every other uh, other word than said. I am in the middle because I like to sit in the middle with most things. I think said is a really useful word. Try and use it a lot. But I also think that sometimes it's just not enough and throw in some extra words. But yeah, so so kind of keep an eye on that. That obviously is personal perspective, your own experience, what you want to do. I can't say don't use too many steads, but just keep an eye on your, your dialogue tags. Make sure that you're not overusing the names. It shouldn't be blah, 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 said John. Blah, 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 said John. Blah, 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 said John. It's like, yeah, okay, we get it. John said stuff. You know, could he keep his mouth shut? Same with large speeches of your characters started monologuing for pages and pages keep an eye on that <laughs> break it up with action and i'm talking moving around the room drinking from something opening the curtains i'm not talking swinging a sword unless the speech is happening during a fight and then swing those swords people let's see we've already all the use of names catching adverbs okay i'm going to be again in the middle because you get people going oh adverbs are really bad an adverb it means you've got a weak verb <laughs> It's like people say, oh, he said angrily, and angrily is the adverb, where really it should be, you know, he growled or he snarled or he yelled. And that's a stronger word than angrily being tacked on to said. However, I do think some adverbs work, just my opinion. I don't think there's a, a massive issue. Yes, sometimes you need a stronger verb. <laughs> but yeah, I would just try not to have too many adverbs. You shouldn't have an adverb at the end of every friggin' dialogue tag. That's too many. Okay, that's too many. But yeah, that's if you're someone who hates adverbs, then definitely put that on a keep an eye on. If you're someone who loves adverbs, maybe just turn it back, just because a lot of readers aren't big on too many adverbs, and it can weaken your writing a little bit. My opinion, just take it with a grain of salt as usual. I think the thing with adverbs, I I agree with you. I am in the middle with adverbs. I think adverbs are totally okay to use because otherwise, why do they exist? I mean, they exist for some reason, but I think if you always use them, it sounds repetitive. Even though you're not using the same word, just having the L-Y at the end and having the same suffix all the time, I feel like it it reads weird. So that's kind of that's kind of where I am with adverbs. You just sprinkle them about. Don't have it be for every single dialogue tag or action or whatever. Yes, exactly. It, it needs to be little, little bits. Dialogue's quite important, so if you can catch those tags and you can think about what you want to do, it's a good idea. And to be honest, we all, well, I say we, I, I hate it when people overuse names while they're dialogue tags, you know, in the dialogue tags. But you don't always realise you've done it until you start reading through, especially if you can read it out loud. Oh, you see them then, hear them then. Yeah, so that's another one. Good, good one to try. They read them out loud. We're trying to keep this episode short, so I'm speeding through them. POV. This is my book, bro. I am awful with POV. My personal uh, suggestion is at the beginning of a, of your chapter, make a note on the top of the page whose POV it's meant to be, right? And 
track it. So literally write it in big letters at the top whose POV it's meant to be and then do a POV read where you literally you only read it to make sure the right person is talking. I have done numerous edits of my manuscripts in the past and still found POV issues that I had like, there'll be like two lines where I've switched POV and didn't notice, you know, where I've talked about the main character who's supposed to be talking about what their grin looks like, but they don't know what their grin looks like because they're not looking at a frigging mirror. It's coming from the other person's POV and I'm forever catching it. So POV is a big bugbear with a lot of people, not just me. I know it's not just me. So definitely keep an eye on that. And if you switch POV in the middle of a chapter, if you have a hard break or something and you switch POV, totally fine. Make sure you're aware of whose POV that's meant to be and keep an eye on because it can get confusing for your readers. POV is hard. And it's something that you're going to have to try different POVs before you realize which is the correct POV for your novel. And I say this from experience, because when I first started my mystery novel, it was in first person through Lila. And then it just, it was, no, sorry, it was in first person through George. And then it just wasn't working. So I decided to do first person through Lila. And there was still just something not working. And I realized that if I did uh, first person POV for her, she would need to be in every single scene and she's not. So I ended up switching it to third person and that seems to be what worked best. And obviously, as Ari said, if you have dual POVs, you need to make sure that you're consistent with your chapters. And you can switch POVs between chapters however you want. Like you can have the same POV for like three chapters in a row and then switch it if you really want. For me personally, if a story is going to have dual POVs, I prefer them to be even and alternate. Like if you have two different POVs, it's like see character one for the odd chapters and character two for the even chapters, for example. You can do whatever you want, do whatever is best for your story. Just personal preference. I like it when it's even. I get that. I I know I try and do that with my own because I have multiple POVs. And obviously I have multiples, but there's two main characters that I try and do. And then I have other ones nipping in because I just like that. And that's my thing. I, ha I have to admit, every now and then there might be the odd chapter that two, it's like two chapters before it's the same character. But yeah, overall, it feels more, if you're bringing in two main characters, it does feel better if there's more um, evenness. It doesn't have to be you know, one, then one, then one, then one. Over the whole story, I think it does need to be a bit more even. I think Rachel's completely right with that. Otherwise, it feels a bit odd, especially if you start even and then suddenly the end of the novel is just one person's POV for ages. Well, I think the other thing is too, it's easy to forget about certain characters. And depending on how your reader reads and comprehends things, that what they'll read like one POV and then they'll read the next POV for the next like five chapters and instantly forget about the previous POV. And it's kind of something like, I mean, I'll use the Lord of the Rings as an example, even though it's, I mean, the Lord of the Rings is fine. We can't nitpick that one because it's glorious. But I'll use it as an example, like watching the movies. There are times like two, two towers where we're with Frodo and Sam for a little bit, and then it switches to Merry and Pippin, and then it switches back to Frodo and Sam, and then it switches to the other group. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about them. I forgot that they're also in this. And it's just if too much time passes between one POV versus another, then it's like it kind of you kind of forget in a way that makes any sense. I have to admit, if you read books with parts, it can actually work really well because for some of my favorite books start with parts so like part one and it'll bounce between two or three POVs of this like group. And you'll get like maybe 12, 13, 14 chapters and then it'll, it'll have a cliffhanger 
And then it's part two. And suddenly we're introduced to a whole new set of people. Again, two or three people and they're in their POV and you get another like 14 chapters and you're getting really endorsed with them. And then they have a cliffhanger. And guess what? We're back to the original. Like, oh my God, I forgot about them. And there's almost this excitement. But at the same time, you're like, what's going on with the second group? Yeah, no, but see, that's fine. That's okay because you're utilizing the POV in like a unique way and you're also utilizing cliffhangers so it's like yeah you can make it work for you but obviously readers are going to have their own preference about it but the bottom line is when you're editing we kind of went off topic but when you're editing just make sure your pov is consistent however you decide to do it just you got to make sure it's consistent i agree and you're not head hopping (laughs) oh god that's a whole nother issue (laughs) which i think we covered so i will put a link to that video (laughs) yeah see we're referencing stuff Yay. So I don't so remember good. when we talked about No, it. no. It's, it's probably really recently <laughs> as well. But no. Probably. Who knows? Okay. So the next section, which is quite a good one to look at, is chapters. So for this, you want to be looking at the beginning of the chapter. Has it got enough hook? Is it pulling your reader in? We're not just talking about chapter one, because some people can actually push through chapter one, even if it's not great. But if chapter two, three, four are all bad, that's not going to help. So you want something good happening at the beginning of the chapter. And then obviously you think about ending. It doesn't always have to be a cliffhanger. This is weird thing going around where it's like every ending of a chapter has to be like it doesn't but it does need to make you want to know more you know it has to be something that pushes you to the next one so kind of have a look at each of your chapters are they strong enough to to pull the, the reader into the next into the next chapter timeline are you keeping an eye on your timeline through each chapter and obviously if you're writing multiple characters multiple plvs definitely keep an eye on the timeline and also if you're doing quests where people are like having to walk or, or ride or, or, you know, sail a certain distance, keep an eye that you're not going, oh my God, it's going to take us 18 weeks. And then suddenly three days later, they're there. Keep an eye on that. Character balance as well. We've kind of just touched on that with what Rachel said with if you're doing different POVs, you know, you want to make sure that um, if you have like one, if you have two or three main characters, they do need to have kind of equal time throughout your chapters. Yeah, so your characters need to have a balance. You don't want to you don't want to have one character as the main POV and then, you know, right in the middle just throw in some other person randomly and then give them a lot more time and then suddenly they've gone again. So try and look at a bit of balance again. This is personal suggestion. Uh, balance does work quite well. Dialogue, we've talked about this in another episode, so I'll look to that. Balance between dialogue and description. The we ha- we've talked about whether uh, how you can do that, or if you are more of a dialogue writer to a description writer and vice versa. Lots of stuff in that episode, so I'm not going to go over it again because we did a whole episode on it. I am just going to make a note of all these episodes I need to link to. <laughs> I don't remember. Do you have anything to add to that? Or should I just carry on? No. go for it okay next we're moving on to senses i love senses i think a lot of writers kind of have a habit of falling into writing visual descriptors but you have to remember to use all five senses and when i say that i don't mean all the time we don't want every single time a character's on on i was gonna say on screen on page to be talking about what the clothes feel like against their skin and the smell in the air and the taste on their mouth no 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 it just doesn't always have to be visual are your characters walking through a market? Then maybe, you know, scents and sounds are a good one to reference. Is there like a, a stinky fish market over there? And they're like, it's very pungent. Is there the sounds of people bartering in, in, in the corner? Are, are, you know, are they getting hawked at to buy some beef? I don't know. <laughs> Everything in my head went out of it. It's like, I had no idea what you could sell in the market. And you got to remember that senses are really good for adding tone and, and mood and atmosphere. If you think about horror writing, it's not always the visual image, especially if you watch horror movies. Sometimes the room is really dark and it's like the weird scraping that you can hear in the corner or the ruffle of something running past like in the dark. So it's not always a visual thing. So yeah, remember to think about the five senses, 
definitely make a note. I used to always write at the top of my chapter. This is what I did whenever I printed out. I'd write on five senses, and then I would go through and I would ha- like either highlight or circle whenever I was just using visual because you don't mean to. It just kind of happens, but just kind of remind yourself. Throw in some sense. Throw in some tastes. Throw in some what are the other, what are the other one sounds? There we go. I was about to say smell, but then I just realized you just said that. And I tell you, so many people miss touch. And you think about like the texture of of clothing. You know, someone just touching your arm, the feel of hair brushing your face, the salt air brushing into your face. You know, there's there's so many. T- it's one of those ones that often gets misused. Not misused. It often gets overlooked. And I think we need more touch. That sounds bad. I can reel that back. Touch. Yeah, just consider using more of the fancies. I should not go off script. It makes me very I mean, to be fair, though, when you started talking about senses, the one and only example I thought of, because I write murder mysteries, I was like, if there's a dead body, depending on how long it's been there, your character is going to smell it. <laughs> exactly. And the tang of blood, you know, that coppery yeah. tang of blood. And yes. that kind of yeah, decomp, lovely. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, glorious. I mean, yeah. that's pretty much, that. that's all I had to add to that, is that dead body smell. Yeah. That's all. Exactly. So, <laughs> such a weird thing. And if you're not writing murder mysteries, other things smell too. Think about it. Okay, yeah, I'm completely lost what I'm doing. What am I doing? Yeah, another one is good to add is inconsistencies. This is where you accidentally change the colour of your character's hair midway or their eyes or maybe you forgot how tall they were or whether they were left-handed. <laughs> I've done that before. I was like, yeah, this character's left-handed and then completely forgot. And, you know, they were always like reaching for things with their right hand. Not that it's a thing you often think about, but yeah, it, it does come up. Another one that, again, I have a bad thing with is forgetting what time of day it is. You know, did you start the scene at night time and it's only been 20 minutes and suddenly they're outside and it's like the sun's been out for ages? especially if you're a scene writer or you don't write linearly linearly if you don't write linearly cannot say that word because if you're bouncing around sometimes it's hard to keep track of what time of day it is because you were maybe you were writing a night scene and then you jumped to a day scene so yeah keep an eye on those kind of consistencies again this is just my thing look at the chapter do a quick scan through and say right this is happening in this location these are the main characters who are in it this is the time of day or the day of the of the week i actually have i needed a calendar for my current work uh, work in progress because it went through a certain number of days after something had happened and i needed to track how many days because on the third day something else was going to happen and i had to make sure i got to the third day and on the third day it happened so Keep an eye on that. This is why we need character profiles. Quick reference guides are good so that you're not going, what color is that person's eyes? Is it like milky white? Or did I make them like light green? Or So yeah, inconsistencies. You'll be surprised how many pop up. You think you know your characters, but after you've written like 20 of them, some of them will, will like drift off and you'll forget what they look like. So small inconsistencies. Locations like is the mountain range in the north? Then you need to make sure your characters are, are riding north if they're going to the mountains and not. And then think about where the sun is on their back. That is getting a little intense. That is kind of where my brain goes. But you'll be surprised how many people will read a nitpick, me being one of them. No, I mean, that's all That's all good points because inconsistencies, they're going to happen. No matter how well your notes are, the inconsistencies will happen because hopefully when you're having a writing session, you just kind of go with the flow and the words come and you just, and you go with it. Uh, so you're not really thinking about like all the logistics of like the editing, which is why you should have an editing checklist. I like to write down editing notes as I write so that I remember to go back to it later. And this is true for fact checking and research. This will help with 
with those inconsistencies and also just making sure that your novel as a whole makes sense. Again, I'll use I'll use murder mysteries as an example because this kind of goes along with the whole timeline thing, the inconsistencies that an autopsy report, I guess it it depends on where you're from, but an autopsy report can take four to six weeks or no, not sorry, geez, a toxicology report can take four to six weeks to complete. What's the word I'm looking for? You know what I'm talking about. So in that sense, if you want your novel to have some sort of realism, what's going to happen within those four to six weeks for those characters? Are you just going to time skip four weeks ahead or can other things happen? Other things should happen within those four weeks because that's a month to a month and a half. That's a long time. So yeah, I mean, that's all I got to, that's all I got to add. Oh, something else. I like to use Scapple, and this is also by Literature and Latte, who also created Scrivener. And Scapple is a mind mapping tool, and I actually like to use that for timelines and for character profiles so I can catch those inconsistencies. I also have notes in Scrivener. I have notes everywhere so that I can hopefully remember these things, which I never do, but you know what? It works. Scapple is great for that because then, and even like the time of day and just different locations. Like if you're, if you, when you're world building and you have a country, have a country in the middle and then have the different states. I'm using the United States as an example. You used to have the different states branch out. And then from that, you have the cities and towns and, you know, you can really zero in on where your characters are. I'm going off topic. That's all. No, no, that was good. You'd be surprised how how much you need to think of when editing if you want to if you want to really polish your your manuscript. I think we do these things like, oh, writing, editing, there's one giant umbrella and it can be very overwhelming if you're just thinking, oh, I've got to edit. Whereas if you can at least break things down and think about, oh, like the research and fact checking you need to do, the inconsistency you need to keep an eye on, the senses, it just makes life a little bit easier. Yes, you're going to read your, your manuscript a lot. But to be fair, even if you just did a random read through over and over to catch, you know, the usual spelling errors, you're probably going to need to read it several times anyway. I think if you if you read it through and pick specific categories and read it through only looking for those, it gives you a stronger sense. Again, personal opinion, because you're not thinking about anything else. You're reading through. And to be honest, the more read-throughs you do, you will more likely to catch things. And the more you can catch before you give it to your betas, before you give it to your editor, who will charge you, the more they have to find, the cheaper it will be. As an extra resource, uh, one of our writing friends, KM Allen, did a load of blog posts on different types of checklists for editing. Absolutely brilliant. And I mean... She covers things like weak words, delete checklists, active words, basic scenes, stage directions. And she goes through each one of those and discusses what you can look for in your manuscript. I think it's brilliant. So she's actually got a page with all the links on. I'm going to add that main link to our description. So have a check out of, of her blog and those checklists. Take what you think works for you. Really good resource. I will also link to Word Hippo and WordCounter.net, apparently, <laughs> not .com. And all those will be linked below. So see, lots of resources for you in this episode, if I remember to do it. Okay, I don't think I've got anything else to add. Rage, anything? No, I think you wrapped it up really nicely, actually. I know, we don't usually do such a good wrap. <laughs> You're just like, <laughs> uh, okay, that's it. I know, yeah, that's it. Here we go. 
with that we'll turn it over to you guys do you use a checklist for editing or do you think you'll start doing let us know your answers in the comments so we can chat about it remember we release new episodes every wednesday next week we're discussing writing in multiple genres and we'll be joined by a special guest to ensure you don't miss it hit the subscribe button on your way out as always thank you for listening to the mirror Writer podcast and we'll see you next week this podcast is brought to you by arguments over tea and coffee which side are you on the music titled inspired is by kevin mcleod licensed under creative commons 4.0